Welcome to Final Girl Friday. My name is Molly, and I like scary movies. At the end of last week's episode, I asked you guys how you felt about the shorter, less scripted reviews like the one I did for Scream 5, and I've never gotten so much feedback all at one time. Thank you guys so much for reaching out to me and sharing your thoughts on both the new Scream and this show. Uh, the verdict for the latter was unanimous. All of you who reached out to me said you'd like to hear more of those types of reviews, which, to be frank, it did wonders for my confidence in them, which was a little shaky, so I'll definitely be doing more of them starting tonight. Tonight's movie is one that a lot of other people have covered, but I only became aware of it very recently, and I just couldn't stop myself from talking about it. I was told that it was the worst horror movie ever made, which of course meant that I had to seek it out and watch it immediately to find out if that was true. It isn't. In my opinion, there are far worse movies than this, but it's it's pretty bad. Thankfully, it's the kind of movie that's so bad, it's good. Tonight, we're talking about everybody's favorite teen cautionary tale, Wish Upon. You know that wish box that your dad got you? Have you made any wishes? What? Why? A blood price. That phrase Gina couldn't quite translate, it says, when the music ends, the blood price is paid. This movie is glorious. The thing that kills me about it is that it had so much potential. I mean, who doesn't love a good cinematic admonition, you know? Wishmaster, Labyrinth, Freaky Friday, Hobgoblins. Do you, do you guys remember Hobgoblins? I don't understand. What were those things? It's a long story. What they do to your body is nothing compared to what they do to your mind. If you're looking for a fun moral for your horror story, be careful what you wish for is an excellent choice. And this film doesn't just explore the theme of be careful what you wish for, it also blends that with the preternatural shenanigans of films like Final Destination. Wish Upon had so much potential. Before I can get into it, I have a couple of quick points of interest. The new full trailer for Studio 666 has arrived, featuring actual dialogue and Dave Grohl having what looks like a lot of fun being possessed by a demon. And it just, it looks every bit as entertaining as the teaser suggested. I also recently watched the trailer for Monstrous, uh, Chris Cyberston's new creature feature starring Christina Ricci, not to be confused with the South Korean series Monstrous or the Monstrous that came out a few years back that got really bad reviews. This one looks like a heady, stylistic monster movie set in what I think is the 1950s. Uh, it centers around a victim of domestic abuse who moves along with her seven-year-old son to an isolated home for a fresh start. Once there, they encounter a monster potentially more terrifying than what she has already survived. It looks neat. For a little recommended reading, over at horrornews.net, Anthony Caro brings us A Stocking Full of Coal for Black Christmas, 1974. 
1984, which injects some interesting moral philosophy into the film's killer and examines the sort of badness level of the character's behavior in relation to their deaths. Caro also goes into the history of the lump of coal as punishment for kids on Christmas and poses the question, what does it actually mean to be, quote, naughty? Lastly, going back to Scream for a second, Jen Adams of Dread Central made me stupidly happy with her article, Gail Weathers and the Vilification of Female Ambition. I loved this so much, I read it twice. There are a handful of reasons I like it so much, but the most thrilling part for me was getting to read someone refer to Gail as a final girl several times. Over the years, Gail Weathers has become one of my favorite characters in the Scream franchise, and with this new film, is steadily climbing up my list of favorite final girls, and I feel like she just doesn't get called that enough. In this article, Adams looks at Gail's entire arc throughout the films and wraps everything up beautifully, saying, Gail Weathers is an inspiration to millions of women and a shining example of refusing to fear hate and vilification from a misogynistic world. This was such a great article. Well fucking done, Jen Adams. I know she'll probably never listen to this podcast, but you wrote an article that moved me, and I thank you for that. If I'm right about this, I could save a man's life. Do you know what that could do for my book sales? All right, I think that's all I've got for tonight. Um, I mean, apart from I have a couple of like podcast related updates, but I'm going to save those for the end. So for now, it's time to dive into the movie. If you're new to this podcast and you don't hate it, stay tuned until the end of this episode for information on Final Girl Friday elsewhere. And as usual, if you haven't seen Wish Upon from 2017, proceed with caution because I'm about to spoil the entire film for you. Let's talk about Wish Upon. There's so much to unpack here. <laughs> I want to be clear at the start. Yes, this movie is bad. It's a bad movie, but I love it. I love it not in spite of all of its flaws, but because of them. It feels like the best kind of modern-day B-movie, and I get such a big kick out of it. Wish Upon was directed by John Leonetti, written by Barbara Marshall, and released in the summer of 2017. It stars Joey King as Claire Shannon, a self-pitying teenage girl who inherits a Chinese music box that turns out to be a cursed wishing box. When Claire touches the box and wishes upon it, her wishes come true, but of course, at a price. Whenever a wish is granted, someone or something close to Claire dies. It grants seven wishes in total, and once all the wishes are used up, it collects the soul of its owner. Claire makes a series of increasingly ill-advised wishes, being driven crazy by the box, allegedly, and then dies, after which the box is passed to her friend Ryan, played by Ki Hong Lee. So it's a pretty simple story. The film doesn't have any sort of underlying message. The whole thing is just be careful what you wish for. They did try to make some commentary on bullying, but the bullying is so contrived. I mean, even if the commentary were poignant on paper, it was no doubt lost in the execution. All of the many teenage characters in this movie were clearly written by older people, which is ironic because this is a PG-13 film. I mean, there have been some great quality, successful horror films with PG-13 ratings. The Conjuring, Insidious, both of which Leonetti was the uh, DP4, by the way. I'm pretty sure Cloverfield was PG-13. 
um, What Lies Beneath, the difference between those films and films like this one, like Wish Upon, those films were written, or at least they feel like they were written, for an adult audience. And then the teenage audience was taken into account during and after production. Wish Upon, however, does not feel like it was intended for an adult audience at any point in time. <laughs> but all of the dialogue for the young characters you know, the representation of their target audience, is so divorced from reality. You've got Claire's gamer friend Meredith firing off phrases like, If I kill Lurch and Louisa and hack that parry, I level up to mutant killer. And if I get Malfour and Molly, I'm a monster mutant master, man. And then, of course, there's this classic cafeteria zinger. Yeah, what's funny is that you're smegma. Ah, smegma. <laughs> That whole speech in the cafeteria is so painful. I get that Claire was trying to shame, uh, I think it's Darcy, on an intellectual level, but only in a teen movie would a mean girl sit through such a long and awkward insult, which she does. And then the two of them get into this big physical altercation for which neither of them are punished. That's another thing. None of the kids suffer any non-box-induced consequences for their actions, nor does anyone seem to be investigating or even aware of all of these people that are dying around town. I get the impression that there are like two teachers at Claire's high school, and I don't even think the city has a police department. The box kills six people. Well, seven if you count Claire's dog. Oh, and Claire's mother at the beginning, but in the present day, six people die because of this box, and they're all connected to Claire in some way. Her uncle, her neighbor, one of her best friends. Why the hell does a detective not show up on her doorstep? My guess is it's because if they did, she might have to take responsibility for her increasingly terrible choices, and we can't have that. People are dead, Claire, and you can't just wish that away. You can't take that back. I know, and I said I was sorry. I, I didn't know that any of this would happen. <laughs> One of the most unfortunate things about this movie is Claire. She takes a lot of things in her life for granted, which I realize is in line with a teenage mentality. That doesn't make it any less frustrating. <laughs> She's really hard on her dad for his very dadly hobby of scavenging for repurposable items. Like, I have so many friends who do exactly what Claire's dad does in this movie. It's, it's such a dad thing to do. And she makes short-sighted and selfish wishes, each of which drives us further and further away from her as an audience. So by the time she gets what's coming to her, it's frankly just satisfying. It also helps that her death is hilarious, but we'll get to that. I'm not very familiar with Joey King. I certainly don't blame her alone for how Claire turned out, but from what I saw of her in The Conjuring and from her performance in this movie, I don't think that she at this juncture possessed the range that a character like Claire needed to be able to evoke sympathy from the audience. I get that this is a really simple movie that's impossible to take seriously, but Claire is kind of a complicated character to sell as a protagonist. And going back to the whole corruption thing, by the time it becomes clear that the box is killing people, Claire is supposedly enthralled by it, making wishes kind of beyond her control, right? But at no point when I was watching this film did I actually gather that from her. I didn't get that from King's performance at all. I know Ryan says something to that effect at one point, but Claire herself isn't really acting like she's being driven insane by a magic box. She's just pouty and stoic, so it's hard to sympathize with her or to even really understand what she's going through. As I said, though, I don't put 
put the burden of that solely on Joey King. Part of it is on Barbara Marshall, and the lion's share goes to John Leonetti. Leonetti is predominantly a cinematographer and a really good one. He was the director of photography for Insidious and The Conjuring, and he's worked on a ton of films like Child's Play 3, Detroit Rock City, Mortal Kombat from 95, as well as Annihilation, actually, but let's not talk about that. He's had a long and varied career behind the camera. He has a great eye, and he clearly loves horror movies. If you watch the behind-the-scenes footage, what little there is for Wish Upon, he seemed to be having the time of his life, which is awesome. But it also seems like a lot of the choices he made as a director here were impulses born from a place of, well, like this. Oh my god, that's so gnarly. I love this. I love that. It's kind of adorable, but I suspect there was a lot more of that general attitude on set. Leonetti definitely favored style over substance in this film. The best example of that is the bicycle. <laughs> that fucking bicycle. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so at the beginning of the film, we see Claire as a little girl. She goes outside to ride her bike. She rides it down to the end of the street to visit a bird's nest and then comes back. Then she leaves her bicycle at the edge of the front lawn and runs inside. Once inside, she discovers that her mother, who had been in possession of the wish box, had disposed of it and uh, hanged herself. We cut to an exterior shot, this upward angle from the ground just behind the bicycle with the house in the background, and there's a 10-year time time lapse and the bike is in the exact same position. <laughs> What? Was there seriously no one on set that day who was willing to say to him, I don't think this bike would have stayed in the exact same position for an entire decade. I mean, you want to talk about writing a realistic teen movie? How about somebody steals that bike? at some point. But Leonetti was really proud of that shot. He thought it looked really cool. And that's the vibe I get throughout this whole movie. Plenty of great visual moments. Not a lot of thought put into their relation to the storytelling. This was originally supposed to be directed by Catherine Hardwick, actually, the director of Twilight. And I'm not a fan of Twilight, but Hardwick was also the production designer for a ton of great movies like Tank Girl, Freaked, I'm Gonna Get You Sucka. I would have been so curious to see what she did with this. I feel like at the very least, the kids would have felt a little more real. So yeah, you know, all Wish Upon needed to reach its full potential was a different director, a different writer, and a different lead actress. No big deal. Oh, and an R rating. Although I say that, but if the kills had been different, I don't know if the film would be nearly as charming. The kills in Wish Upon are hilarious. They're so much fun to watch. You have Uncle August slipping in the bathtub, bashing his head against it, blood everywhere, and he passes out. And you think that's it. You think he's done. But no, he jolts up suddenly and slams his forehead forehead into the faucet, and then he dies. I laughed so hard. And uh, Claire's death is probably the best moment in the movie. She gets hit by a car very abruptly and goes full crouching tiger down the road right after she's just had this big revelatory moment. It's amazing. The final destination influence is, is strong here, and I love that. Funnily enough, there was actually a scene where Carl almost gets hit by a truck that the producers decided to remove because they didn't want their movie to feel like Final Destination, as if that one kill would be the only thing that would draw a parallel between the two films for the audience. And I genuinely enjoy the fake out they left in. We're sort of careening toward the end of the movie, we've seen several people die, and there are only a couple of people close to Claire left, so it kind of becomes a guessing game of who is going to die next. Will it be Meredith? 
or John, Claire's dad. Meredith gets into an elevator alone to play the discount Pokemon Go she's obsessed with, while John is stooped over on the side of the road somewhere else, uh, and a car is speeding toward him. I thought that was pretty well done. Of course, Leonetti admitted in an interview that he pulled that scene out of his ass, so... John! So yeah, the kills are entertaining as hell, and they lend a lot of charm to the movie that might not have existed in an R-rated version. All the same, I would love to see a version of this, um, you know what, actually, no, let me do this properly. I wish there was a version of Wish Upon out there that felt like it was written for adults, that embraced its Final Destination influence, And if you can toss Jeffrey Combs in there somewhere, that'd be great. As I mentioned earlier, fusing the monkey's paw and Final Destination together is is a fun idea that begs for brutal kills and genuine terror, things that they just couldn't deliver to their target audience. Can you imagine if this had not only been a more grown-up movie, but if they had applied a cultural atmosphere to complement the folklore of the box? Like, if the score had featured some traditional or even recognizably Chinese instrumentation, which it doesn't, it's just generic lo-fi pop music. Music, or if they had taken notes from some of the Americanizations of East Asian horror films we saw so much of in the late 90s and early 2000s. Those movies had such a distinct atmosphere. Evidently, Leonetti specifically wanted the film to look less stylized than those movies, though, so go figure. The one thing I can confirm he put thought into is one of the things I'd like to change. I really don't mean to be so hard on him. I do love his work as a cinematographer, and I know I've been hard on the film, it's just, it's, it's hard not to be hard on Wish Upon. <laughs> I do enjoy a few of the characters. I like John and Mrs. DeLuca, Claire's neighbor. It was nice to see both Ryan Felipe and Sherilyn Finn in those roles, respectively. And I actually felt something during the more tender moments between Claire and her dad, when she wasn't being irate with him for bringing home used curtain rods. <laughs> and I like that he calls her buddy. That's a term of endearment we don't hear from father to daughter very often in film, and I thought it was a nice detail. I got you a little something, buddy. It's up on your bed. Dad, we we talked about this already. We have your space, and then there's my space. I know. I, I just found it at this fancy place. It's got Chinese writing on it. Figured since you're taking Chinese, if you don't want it, Carl, take it. See, you're damn right. The character I liked the most was Ki Hong Lee's character, Ryan. I thought he was fun. Of course, he gets completely fucked over, which brings me to the ending. Ah, oh, this ending. I've heard a handful of people criticize this movie for sequel baiting at the end, but in its defense, I don't personally interpret the ending as bait. It feels more to me like they're just hammering home the film's message. And I think a lot of stories like this one, especially told in shorter form, tend to end this way, where it turns out that nobody really learned anything, and the cycle is just destined to continue. Unfortunately, the person who picks up that torch is Ryan, who is one of the only truly decent people in the movie that had a fair amount of screen time. And the secondary point it's hitting us with is that there are lasting consequences for Claire's recklessness, but she's not alive to learn from that, and the guy who liked her, tried to help her, made good choices. He's the one who goes to the dark side? What the fuck? (laughs) My headcanon is that he was tempted, but ultimately left the box alone. It was a test, and he passed. Wait, you dig on multiverses? Truthfully, though, Ryan holding the box at the end with that suggestive look on his face is the only thing I genuinely hate 
about this movie. Because everything else is impossible to take seriously, what you end up with is an incredibly campy and charming teen horror movie. If you're like me and you are a fan of horror movie tropes, Wish Upon offers a buffet of them. You've got a dog that exists solely to be scared of the box, Mrs. DeLuca has a garbage disposal, and something falls into it, so she puts her hand in and we think her hand is going to get disposed of, but it doesn't. You have a cursed object and its dark backstory, and a quirky character who gets brought in as sort of the expert that helps the main character understand the dark history of the cursed object. There's the quote hot jock that the main character is madly in love with but doesn't know she exists. I totally forgot to mention Paul. What a weak storyline that was. <laughs> All it made me want to do was go back and watch The Craft, which did almost the exact same thing with Sarah and Chris, but better. Hey, why didn't you answer the phone? It's three o'clock in the morning, Chris. Oh, yeah, that's a good reason. There's even a montage. After Claire inherits all of her uncle's money, she takes her friends on a shopping spree, and there's like a shopping montage, which made me happy. <laughs> I love a good montage, man. What can I say? And then one last point in this film's favor. Uh, I don't understand why, but the first time I watched this, I could not stop watching it. I wanted to see who died and in what order. I, I wanted to see what happened when all of the wishes were used up. <laughs> I have no choice but to commend it for holding my interest. I know I wasn't invested in Claire, but I was invested in something. It was a neat concept with a lot of potential that's kept me rewriting the movie in my head consistently since I saw it. <laughs> and it's for those reasons I have to conclude that, yeah, Wish Upon is a bad movie, but I don't think it's the worst horror movie ever made. I recommend this for anyone who is a fan of movies that are so bad they're good. Or if you think you would enjoy watching Ryan Felipe pretend to play the saxophone while being fawned over by Barb from Stranger Things, because this, this movie has that too. Well, those were just a few of my thoughts on Wish Upon. Personally, I'm adding this to my regular rotation of uh, fun, campy movies. Have you seen this film? What are your thoughts on it? Do you think it's so bad it's good, or do you think it's, it's just bad? If you found a cursed Chinese wishing box, would you wish on it? And if so, what would you wish for? If you have thoughts you'd like to share on this film, or any film really, please feel free to reach out to me. You can look me up on the Slasher app. My username is Final Girl Friday. Instagram at Molly Oblivion, or if you prefer old school correspondence, you can email me at finalgirlconfessions at gmail.com. I do have a, a quick podcast update for a couple of reasons. I've moved Final Girl Friday's listener support from Buy Me a Coffee back to Patreon. I left Patreon at the beginning of last year because I felt really badly accepting donations for consistent content that you guys weren't getting. I've been working hard on that, uh, and these shorter, less scripted episodes are a part of that process. I've also started doing these uh, like five-minute first-thing-in-the-morning reviews where I just wake up, grab a cup of coffee, sit down, and to help warm my voice up, I pick a movie and talk about it for about five minutes. Those are super fun for me, and they're helping me learn how to review films on the fly. So anyway, I thought I would start posting those short five-minute reviews over there, um, and uh, I'll also be offering Final Girl Friday t-shirts for one of the tiers. So I don't expect anybody to pledge to my Patreon. I know I'm an inconsistent content creator, but because Buy Me a Coffee is using Payoneer now for their cash outs, which is a service I've had nothing but problems with in the past, it just feels like going back to Patreon is, is the right call. So I apologize for the whiplash for those of you who 
weren't part of my Patreon uh, before. And again, I do not expect you to go back. I just, I want the option to exist. But as always, I'm really just happy you guys are here. I do this out of passion for horror films. I never expect to get paid. <laughs> I'll have more information about the Patreon next week. I'm still kind of getting it all set up. I just wanted to let you guys know that that's happening. Um, I know there are a couple of you who generously donate uh, to the Buy Me a Coffee every time I post an episode, which is just awesome. Thank you. <laughs> but I, I would advise against that this time around. I want to thank everybody one last time for all of your feedback last week. It was just deeply appreciated. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. I'll be back soon and I won't be alone. I have guests lined up for the next couple of episodes, so I'm really excited about that. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane, be careful what you wish for, and until next time, creep it real. Thank you.